Good morning. How's everybody today? Doing good. How was Thanksgiving? Am I doing okay? Okay, did you forgive better? Did you work through some stuff? Hopefully. Okay, I see some heads nodding. It's encouraging. So we we are in a series. Um, we're doing part two. That's why it's a mini-series, just two parts. Um, called Forgive Better, and the, the goal behind this series was that we knew that we are heading into this time, six weeks of um, being with people that you've been trying to avoid all year long. So <laughs> we uh, if we decided that we because we're the Grove and we want to give you something, we wanted to we want something for you. We wanted to give you some tools to to help work with. Um, getting through all these holiday events, so the office party, the family events, and, and that. I talked to one guy, he's, he's one of, uh, his wife is one of eight. He said, and it's house to house to house to house through Thanksgiving. He says, I hate it. <laughs> the holidays suck. That's what he said. So he didn't attend service, so he missed out on some good tools for him. So if you um, were here, you got some. If you weren't, there's still five more weeks of holidays and all that stuff. So pick up the CD or look us up on the podcast. Um, If you're listening on the podcast, we want to welcome you as well. And anyone, if you want to send me an email saying, hey, you know, can you pray for this or something like that, you can send it to Robert at thegrovesantafe.org. So send me an email. So far, no one has sent me any email. So is it dot com? So it's dot com. I said dot com last time. So Eric's the only one who sends me an email. And it's because he wants me to do work. So if someone else could send me an email that says hi, that would be awesome. So especially if you're listening abroad, I'd love to know who's out there and what that's about. So last week. I'll give you the quick recap. Last week we talked about um, forgive better. Is part one was peace on earth. Um, well, at least in your living room. And uh, we talked about you know how we're heading into this time of, of people we've been avoiding and that stuff. And and uh, the the, the um, tact I'm taking, the context of that of this series has been in that situation. I mean, if you're not a Christian, you really it's up to you whether you want to forgive or not. If you're not a Christian. If you're a Christian, we have this obligation to forgive. And many of us go through this process or this thought process of forgiving where we, we say, okay, yeah, I forgive you because I have to. And we don't really understand forgiveness in, the, in, in its entirety and what it really is and how it really works. We're just trying to get it out of the way. And what happens is we end up with this concept where it's, we see that person in the grocery store two years later and all that anger, all that frustration, all those conversations we had in our head are right back in our mind. And, and, and we, we, you know, talk to God, you know, and we're like, Lord, I mean, I forgave, but it doesn't feel like it. I, I forgave, but it doesn't feel like it. And so I talked about forgiveness from that context and saying that, you know, um, forgiveness is not an event. Forgiveness is a process. What happens is we tend to think of forgiveness in a, like, you know, someone's late to coffee. So what are you saying? It's okay. But the reality is when we're dealing with bigger things, it's, it's not a mental thing to say, hey, it's okay. 
you know, it's the twelfth time I've sat at this coffee shop and you haven't showed. I mean, it's different, right? There, or worse, lots of different things that we have to forgive people for. And so, in this context, I talked about three myths. We don't have time to go uh, through all those. Can you get me on the next slide? Actually, two. Um, I talked about the three myths. Um, I gave us a working definition of forgiveness, which we will use today, so let me cover that. It's a conscious, deliberate decision to release. So conscious decision, that's the mental part, to release feelings of resentment and vengeance toward a person or group who has harmed you, regardless of whether they actually deserve it or not. That's, that's the emotional healing. We have to go through this place of emotional healing in order to truly forgive where it doesn't come back on us. And I, and I basically said that it's possible to have peace about a relationship as you're heading into the holidays. It's possible to have a peace possible to have peace about a relationship while there is no peace in that relationship when we truly forgive, right? Peace on earth, at least in our living room. And I gave you four steps to work through forgiveness to be able to do the emotional healing part. Um, they are that you would need to face face and identify the hurt. You need to be so you need to know what you're forgiving. You need to look through the empathy lens to understand that we're all broken and broken people do broken things. Hurting people do hurtful things. And we need to be able to see that person through a place of empathy. I talked about my mom's situation with my grandma. If you didn't get it, the CD, you need to go get it. Okay? Because at that point, we're able to have compassion, which allows us to get the gift of forgiveness for which we can then commit and hold on to that forgiveness and then, and then we're able to truly forgive and it's not just a mental thing and we're not just saying I forgave but it doesn't feel like we're saying I forgave and it feels like I forgave I can let it go I can let it go today I promised you that I was going to talk about something that I have not heard preached on um, this particular topic of around forgiveness is something we all face. Everyone in this room, if you haven't faced it, you will. I'm pretty sure all of us have. And basically, part two is called Peace on the Inside. And it really has to do with us forgiving ourselves. Oh, this is going to be bad. It is. It's going to be bad. I'm going to be in your face a little bit as we go through this because, you know... We're our own worst enemy. We are our own worst enemy. And, and the scenario I'm talking about is where you were the one who made the mistake. You were the one who created your life off a cliff. You, you, you've tried to find other people to blame. You know, this has to be somebody else's fault. But no, it's you. And we have these resentments against ourselves. And we, we just, uh, we're, we get stuck. And we don't want to forgive, and we can't forgive. We don't understand forgiveness from this context of how do I forgive myself. So I'm going to talk about three myths to for, of forgiving yourself, and then I'm going to take us through and we'll talk about the steps to forgiveness, and it'll make a lot of sense after I talk about the myths, so you'll be able to tie all that together. So let's jump in and, and talk about myth number one. Okay, now these... Let me just tell you, these myths are... I've talked to people, I've worked with people who struggle with these things. 
You know, so I'm not making this up. This is real. So number one is, if I don't forgive myself, I can prevent a repeat performance. In other words, if I can hold this hurt, I can keep this hurt alive in me, how I hurt myself, if I can keep that right in front of me, then I won't do it again. And, and you hear this in some people when they say the words, they say, well, I never do anything right. Or, yeah, well, no shock there that I screwed that up. Right? We've all heard people say that. Some of us have said that. And it's this keeping that resentment against ourselves right in front of us. And, and the hope is that somehow I won't repeat this mistake. Okay? I just, I'm here to tell you, that's a myth. It doesn't work. You will repeat because you haven't healed. Okay? We call this harboring resentment. And okay? that's the psychological phrase for, for this thing. You're, you're harboring resentment against yourself. And you will, you will not succeed. You will, you will absolutely repeat because when you get to that place, it's like, well, I've already, there's the, you know, I, you know, there it is. All the times I've done this. What's one more time? What's one more time? You know, and that, that resentment thing. And here's the truth about resentment. Okay? Resentment will destroy you. I was reading it and preparing for this thing. I mean, just so you know, I spent about 22 hours working on this. Okay? And in some of the research that I did, I looked at the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and this paragraph that's written by Bill Wilson was just so shocking to me. Something I had not considered, not understood about alcoholics and alcoholism. And I just want to share it to you. I'm going to, I'm going to comment on it so I can give you some of the context because it's just one paragraph in this entire book. And it says, he writes, It's plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. It's plain. This was written in 1939. It's plain that a life which includes deep resentment only leads only to futility and unhappiness. To the precise extent that we permit these resentments, do we squander the hours that might have been? Now, this is the part right here. But with the alcoholic whose hope, right, hope out of alcoholism, is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, the business of resentment is infinitely great. We found that it is fatal, for when we harbor such feelings, we shut off. We shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the Spirit, capital S. Basically, our relationship with God goes out the window. The insanity of alcohol returns, and we drink again. And with us, to drink is to die. What he's saying is what drives alcoholism and alcoholics to continue in alcoholism is the harboring of resentment. If you have this belief that somehow I harbor this resentment against myself, I won't forgive myself, I'm going to keep it right in front of my face, that somehow that will keep you from repeating it, you're wrong. You're lying to yourself. You need to face it, and you need to take the steps required to heal from that resentment, that mistake. Harboring resentment will destroy you. Myth number two. I can't recover from this, so I can't forgive myself. 
basically what's going on with this resentment is that we see it, we see ourselves or saw ourselves we saw ourselves up here okay I was you know super mom super wife super dad super husband captain of the team financial genius student of the year employee of the year I, I'm up here and I am killing it and everybody's telling me how awesome I am then I was tested right the test came and I failed the test and now I'm down here. And now I went from wife to divorced. My identity, my image is up here. And now I'm dealing with this as a possible reality. Actually, it looks like it is the reality. I, I, you know, I was captain of the team. Now I'm off the team because I screwed that up. In fact, I can't play for two years. Um, I was student of the year. Now I'm at home because I'm out of college because I screwed it up. And this disparity can't be recovered. And, and we're trying to, we're saying, I mean, there's no way I can recover from that. No one should know that this happened. No one should see what I did. I, I'm, 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 this is me. I'm up here. Look what you did to us, right? <laughs> We've got to blame somebody so we, we blame our lower self and somehow we can still stand up while we're pointing down even at ourselves. I mean, it's we're headed towards schizophrenia, but... It happens, right? Right? It happens. And we get in this place where I, I can't recover. I can't recover from this. I need to move, get a different group of friends. Bye, Eric. It was good knowing you. I love you, man. But once you know this, you won't be my friend anymore and I just can't recover. Especially if I spill this water on the electric cord that's right under my foot. Now we're I'll have some resentment. So, what's driving this issue? It's pride. I'm sorry. It's pride. It's our pride and arrogance and our self-reliance that got us up here. And thinking this, we were tested and we failed the test. And now we're here with the realization of this is, this is who I really am. This can't be who I really am. And we, this disparity is too much. And here's the truth, okay? The truth is, you can recover from this. You can recover from this disparity, okay? You can. But it takes something. And it takes something you probably, if you're in this place, you don't want. It takes humility, right? Brennan Manning, in his book, The Signature of Jesus, he says it this way, humility is the stark, okay? Note the word stark, okay? Does anybody know what stark means? It means, like, plain as day, out there for real, you know, no, no wrapping paper, nothing. The stark reality, the stark realization, so mental, and acceptance, emotional, of the fact that I'm totally dependent on God's love and mercy. Humility is the realization and acceptance that while I thought I was here running on my self-reliance, I'm really here fully, totally dependent on what God, on God and His mercy, on what God has done for me. Right? You can recover. You can, and you need to recover. But... It takes humility 
for you to be able to get there. We need to take an honest assessment of who we really are. Right? Gosh, glad you came to church today for that, right? It's like, great. I thought somebody might leave the room. I actually did when I said all that. But fortunately, y'all stayed. Myth number three. I don't deserve to be loved after what I've done. When I talked to somebody this week, we were discussing this, and this person explained to me that this is what this, they had to work through this piece. Because what they did, I mean, they were here, they thought they were here, and they just thought, no one can love me again. Once they, once they find out what I've done, no one can love me. And here's the truth, okay? God never stopped loving me. Right? You know, you're, you're, there's, you have family. There are people who are, they're going to love you. Some of them are like, they know that you're here. Right? They've been waiting for you to realize that you're here. Because you're talking up here, but really they see you here. Right? God never stopped loving you. And Brandon Manning, again in his book, The Signature of Jesus, if you don't have this book, you should get it. He wrote two great books, The Ragamuffin Gospel and The Signature of Jesus. These two, the, they, one follows the other. And in this, he's, he points out, he says, rather than condemning ourselves, because that's what's happening, we're condemning ourselves for our weakness and making self-conscious, that I'll try harder, I'll try and make this up to them, somehow they'll love me again. We can allow Christ crucified, Jesus who died on the cross for us, to love us in our brokenness. Do you see that there's an awareness here? There's awareness here that, that we're broken people. We're broken. right? There's, uh, there's currently 8 billion people on earth alive. Currently 7, 8 billion are in there now. Do you know how many of them make mistakes? All of them all of them. You're not any... I mean, you don't even... There's not like 10. Like, I could be in the 10. No. It's 8 billion and all 8 billion of them make mistakes. We are all broken. And when we have a sober understanding of sober judgment, sober understanding of who we are, we're able to say, okay, yeah, this is me. This is the reality of me. And God loves me anyway. God loves me anyway. In fact, Jeremiah, a prophet in the Old Testament, quotes the Lord as saying, he says, the Lord appeared to us in the past saying this. This is what the Lord says. This is what God says. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. It's God's nature to love. And He's going to love you. So you can, you can be loved again even though you may not. And this mistake isn't the sum total of your life. It's not. Even if you've made it a hundred times. It's not. It doesn't have to be. You can move forward. You can make it out. So let's talk about, okay, so those are the three myths. So let's talk about then some steps to forgiving yourself. Okay? The first step is this. You have to receive God's forgiveness. Absolutely. Step one is you got to get right with God. That'll, that just, it'll mess with your head. It's wor- it'll work on you. You need to get right with God. Right? And, and Paul, the, the Apostle Paul, in his letter 
uh, to the Ephesians, he wrote this. He said, I'm sorry, not Paul, John. John was one of the Jesus' disciples. He wrote this to the to this in his letter to, to Ephesus. He says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Right? If we confess. So maybe you're, you're like, yeah, well, there's no way, there's no way God can forgive me. I mean, come on, you don't know what I did. So let's just play that out, okay? So I'm God, right? And I'm, I'm talking to Jesus and I say, okay, so the way this is going to work, they, they blew it there, so this is my plan. You're going to come to earth here, live perfectly, live perfectly, do everything right, and then you're going to, you're going to go to the cross and die on the cross for everyone's sin. Oh, except that guy. Because, I mean, I, I just, I don't know, I created the universe. I created everything that ever was. I can speak things into existence, but, but that, I, I just, I don't know what to do with that. I mean, I just lost cause, I guess. I don't know. Really? Is that really it? Do you really think God can't forgive you? He can do all of these things, but your sin is somehow... The issue isn't that God can't forgive you. is that you're in the disparity place, and what you're really struggling with is you can't forgive you. It's you. So step one is get it right with God and let God forgive you. Accept God's forgiveness. The second step would be to repair relationships. You need to repair some relationships. The action of repairing relationships will help you to see past where you were here. And I, I'm no good. I'm not. As you begin to do those things, you will be able to step forward and heal as you repair those relationships. Everett, um, Everett Worthington, a guy wrote, um, you know, this plan of forgiveness and things I talked about last week. He, his mother was brutally beaten murdered, his brother found her. He's a clinical psychologist at a major university. His brother, he's trying to help his brother, but his brother commits suicide. And he's living with the hurt and the guilt and the unforgiveness against himself because he couldn't help his brother. So he's, he took the steps then. He said, I couldn't, I couldn't pay it to my brother, but I can pay it forward. And I helped his wife and their kids I helped them with their finances. I helped them work through the hurt and the pain and all the stuff that went with that particular station. He paid it forward. And Alcoholics Anonymous, one of the things they do is if you're, if you're an alcoholic, you, you work on getting clean and sober and in a certain place where you've worked your steps and you're in, in good standing and you're, you're doing well and all that, you turn around and you take somebody else who's just come in and you pay it forward to them and you help them through the process they call it sponsorship. And it's that process of repairing relationships that gets us to a place where we can heal and, and forgive ourselves through that process. An example from the Bible. Jesus and Peter. So Peter is one of Jesus' disciples. Okay, he's up here, right? Peter, James, and John. He's in the court with the top three disciples. Always mentioned first. He's, you know, he tells Jesus, "I'm, a, I'll lay down my life for you." All this stuff. He's up here, self-reliance. You know, doing it that way. I'm the man. I'm the. I am the disciple, right? He's running that. He gets tested. When Jesus goes to the cross. He denies Jesus. 
think to me, I don't even know him. I am not with that guy three times. Right? You've heard many of you probably heard that story. You can read about it in the Book of John, Gospel of John. You know, open your Bible and read it. It's fantastic. But as you see this thing, when after Jesus raises from the dead, he comes back and he meets with his, his disciples. And in John 21, Jesus says this to him. Simon, he's Simon Peter, right? So Simon, son of John, do you love me? Jesus is saying, our relationship is broken. Our relationship is broken, Peter. Do you love me? Can you focus on your love for me to help you forgive yourself and get past the fact that you did these things because because I want you to take care of my sheep. I want you to refocus and do some work and, and repair our relationship by focusing on the love we have for each other because I never stopped loving you, Peter. And he doesn't say, he never says to Peter, you know I love you, Peter. He doesn't say that. He says, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Brandon Manning, in his book, Signature of Jesus, capitalizes on this event. And he says, um, we need to look carefully at what we despise about ourselves. Right Now see through it. At the center of it, we see a love for Christ that goes beyond words, images, and concepts. A love you are unable to understand or contain. It may be fragile, but it's real, trusted. And the concept simply is this. As we repair these relationships, as we pay it forward, as we work through and focus on our love for Christ and our love for God, we can move through forgiving ourselves. It's the emotional healing. It's the forgiveness as a process that we get through. The third step is this. We need to rethink who we are. Right? I put in parentheses an honest look. Right? Not here. Not self-reliance. Not the show. Not who we're posing as. But who we really are. You know, and it's identity correction. And Paul, who was the apostle, he wrote these words in Romans. We looked at some of these verses last week in Romans 12. He says it this way, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to you. Right? Sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Sober judgment. We need to get to a place where we've rethought who we actually are, where we're not trying to be something we're not. We're trying to be who we are. And this is, this is an identity correction is really what we need. You know, sometimes the market, they call it a market correction when the market tanks or goes up or whatever. Well, we need a, we need a personal evaluation that's an identity correction. An identity correction. In fact, Paul, Paul in his letter to the Galatians, he said it this way. Because this is really where our identity needs to be. Not here in these, these roles we play, things we do. It needs to be here. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself 
for me. My identity is in Christ. Right? He says, I, am, I no longer live. I no longer live. It's Christ who lives in me. And this is, I'm going to go back. This is what they say in Alcoholics Anonymous. They basically are saying, look, your self-reliance got you drunk. Your self-reliance, your resentments, those things brought you to the place of being in jail, destroying relationships, um, out of your mind, drunk. You need to recognize your utter dependence on God. That hope that comes from a spiritual experience with God. It's, it's the same for every human being. We all face this. And we need to get to a place where we're not looking. Our identity is not in our role, roles. Employee of the year. You know, manager extraordinaire. Student uh, awesomeness. <laughs> We need to get to a place, you know, super mom, super dad, super husband, super wife. We need to get to a place where our identity is in Christ. It's Christ in me. The hope of glory. Right? It's another passage. And when we can do that, we can take that next step of rebuilding self-acceptance. Where we begin to see, hey, you know what? I'm flawed. I really am. Let me ask my wife. I'm flawed. My kids will tell you. I'm flawed. You're flawed. We're flawed. But we're precious in God's sight. We're precious in God's sight. We're precious in God's sight. Our lives are not summed up by our mistakes. They don't, they don't have to be. It can be in our mind. We're our own worst enemy. They don't have to be. We can get to a place where we truly are, truly are, to wholly dependent on Christ and our identity is in Christ. We make mistakes. We're honest about that. How many of you appreciate when someone says, yeah, I screwed that up? Instead of, well, if she hadn't done this, if he hadn't done that, you know, how many times, I can't, too many times I've been in a counseling-oriented discussion with somebody who's who blaming somebody else. You know, I've read Situations where husband says, well, if she had been more attentive to me, I wouldn't have had an affair. Are you kidding me? I mean, how? I mean, no. 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 If you have been faithful, and probably if you have been doing your job, you know, your side of the street would be clean. Your relationship probably would have been better. But you're all about you and what you need and your decisions and your thing. And so, you know, you're running up here. And this particular man who wrote this thing that I read, he said, I told my wife, there there are tons of women in this church who would rather be married or who would be happy to be married to a guy like me. You know, yeah, he figured it out. He did, because he creamed his life up a cliff. He he had to go through counseling where he really found out, okay, yeah, I'm flawed. I'm all about me. I got stuck in this selfish, self-centered thing. And so he's sharing, this guy is sharing this about himself. And he's saying in humility and self-acceptance, I was wrong. I did the wrong thing. I worked through that process. I repaired the relationships. 
and I forgave myself in the process and now I'm paying this forward to everybody else who thinks like I thought. Don't do what I did. There's a better path. Right? And that's that process of, of self-acceptance and working through the process of forgiving ourselves. And when you rebuild your self-acceptance, it gets you to a place of healthy humility. And maybe you're sitting here and you're just like, no, Rob, you, you don't know what I did. You don't know what I did. There's no, I can't. It's, it's over for me. I mean, I'm stuck. I'm going to be this way. I can see it for the rest of my life. I mean, I mean there's no way. You know, and this verse comes to mind for, for us, for you, if you're in this place. And it's this from Ephesians. It's Paul, another verse that Paul wrote in his letter to Ephesians. He says this. He says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. And you might be sitting there saying, Do this right here? This is not God's workmanship. Okay? This is a disaster. You know, when God starts working, it's like a potter working with clay. You know, and the clay is just a blob, it's a mess. It's a mess. And he takes it and he molds it and he shapes it. That's the idea of workmanship. Is God is working you into who he would have you be. Who he planned for you to be. And in this verse it says very clearly that you are created in Christ Jesus for good works. That is your purpose. Through self-reliance, you got yourself in this position where you're at. But God can take you and move you forward. It's the difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation says you're a mess and there's no way out. God's version is conviction, which he says, yeah, you're a mess. You're a mess, but I'm gonna, there's a way out. There's a way out. In fact, I prepared beforehand, meaning long before you were born, to do it. And God created beforehand works that you you were created to do for you to do so that we could walk in them. So if you're in this place and like I said, you're in this place you're still finding self-acceptance. And if you can get there, if you can see yourself how God sees you because let me tell you this okay, God wants to take everything that the devil has been allowed to do in your life and flip it around on him and rub it into Satan's face. He wants to take every mistake, everything you've done, he wants to get you to the place where you're paying that forward, where you're helping others out of it. No, come this way. This is the path. I did that. It doesn't work. This is the way you should walk. He wants to take all of that and move you forward to a place where you are rubbing in the devil's devil's face. Yeah, yeah, you may have got me, but you're not getting these people. Because these people I'm going to impact. These people I'm going to pay it forward. That's what God's saying in this verse and what he wants you to do. So, this week's challenge, isn't it great we have challenges? We need, I feel like I need a high five. Right on. Got a challenge, man. Right on. So this week's challenge is this. You need to, you need to work to forgive yourself this week. 
this week take one step towards peace on the inside. One step. You may, I, I want, you know, I've been through this. I had to, I had big issues that I had to work through. We just won. When my dad died, I blame myself. You know, if I had, there, somehow this was my fault. I don't know why that is. It's, I mean, psychologists say, survivor guilt. I mean, it's not just me. Lots of people do this. But somehow I felt, in a way, I, this was my fault because somehow I just got off. Somehow I, I got things, you know, I, was, I had my plans, what I was going to do. God didn't want that, so he took, removed my dad from the situation so that, I would do what God wanted me to do instead of what I I mean, I had lots of theories. But it was my fault. It took me years to work through that to get past because it's not logical. The emotions you're feeling, the emotional hurt, they're emotions. They're not real, but they're valid because they're yours. They're, they're valid emotions, valid feelings. They most of the time have no foundation in any form of logic. But they're very real. And I had to work through that place of getting it straight in my head, <clears throat> realizing that I, I'm not that powerful, that God had different plans, and that it is what it is, and I am who I am. And it's not the end of my life, it's the beginning of my life. And it's a new chapter. It's a new thing that God wants to do. And the reality is, maybe this isn't the reason why, but this was certainly the byproduct, is that now God was, I was fully dependent on God as my father, because my father was gone. And I had to learn that relationship, and I had become dependent on him, and I had to get a sober judgment of myself, and I had to learn how to accept myself, and I had to learn, learn, learn how to die to myself, to live as Christ, Christ in me, in glory. And this works. This is how it works. And I just want to challenge you today. Take a step toward forgiving yourself, a step toward peace on the inside. Because you're your own worst enemy. You are. We are. Right? But there's hope. There's hope. Amen? Amen. So maybe you're here and you're in this place of where you're really at step one where you gotta get you gotta get your situation right with God. Right? You need to go to God to, to to get that forgiveness, right? You've got these mistakes. You can identify with what I'm saying, you can relate because you're there or been there. And you have this situation and really the first step and, and, and it's the same, I mean I'm telling you. You read the, the book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Their whole thing is you got to get with God to get to get out of it, and for, and for life to live the best life possible, you need to get with God. It's a very simple process. I want to give you an opportunity to to take that step right now, and I'll just ask everybody if you don't mind, just bow your heads, close your eyes, and if you're here and you're in that place and you recognize that your need to get right with God then just lift your hand I just want to see you just lift your hand in this process we call it you know uh, accepting Jesus into your life 
right, we've, we've talked a lot about self-acceptance. There's an acceptance piece of accepting God's love for you. Accepting God's plan of forgiving you. And doing that is, is putting your faith in Jesus. And it's really the simple, the simple prayer. So just, just follow me. I'm going to lead us in this prayer. Just pray with me. Everybody pray. Uh, if you're a Christian, pray. And then anyone who's truly, you're truly here and you want Jesus in your life, you want that forgiveness, you want God to move you forward in your life so that you can be a healthy person doing healthy things. Let's pray this prayer. Jesus, I invite you into my life. Your word says, if I confess my sins to you, you'll forgive me. Lord, I confess my sins. I'm a sinner. I made many, many mistakes. You know what they are. Please forgive me into my life change my life from this point forward allow me the opportunity to have peace on the inside in your name Amen if you've put your faith in Christ we have this book 10 Step Towards, towards Christ and it will empower you to move forward in this relationship with the Lord so that you can have peace on the inside a healthy person doing healthy things. Amen? Amen. Eric, I think Eric is going to come and talk. Good job, Robert. Please give him a hand. So helpful. Our part as a church is really to help people become healthy. And healthy people do healthy things. You know, if I if I told you, I mean, you might know this. If, if you don't like what you have right at this moment in life, whatever area it is, um, and I told you that that um, what you really want is over in this direction, um, you can figure out how many steps it would take to get there. And if you begin to take those steps, you would get there. Uh, we say this over every week. You might catch on. We say, take that next step. What's that one step that you take? Can you imagine if everybody in this room every single day would say, God, I want to take one step towards you. I want to take one step towards forgiveness, one step towards healing, one step towards restoration with another person in my life. And every day we took one step. And in one, in one year, that's what, 365 steps. Can you imagine what's waiting for you over there? But it takes one step. So this week, would you take that challenge? Would you take one step to become healthy, to, to walk towards forgiving yourself, towards peace within? That'd be good, all right? Alright, in the service, every, every Sunday we get an opportunity to give in the offering. If you're a guest, uh, do not feel obligated to give in this offering. This is for the people that say, grow is my church. I want to invest and sow because we want to see more people become healthy. There's a lot of unhealthiness going on in our culture, in our world. You turn on the media, you turn on social media, you'll see it all around. Well, one of our answers as a church is saying, hey, can we just give hope to people that they can make some better choices, that they can become the people that God wants them to become. And we believe a little bit of light go a long, long way into the darkness and we'll begin to give people hope. And that's our heart as a church. We want to be a life-giving church that gives. And so if you're here, we don't want something from you. We want something for you. So make sure you leave with something that we've shared with you, whether it's a book, a CD, whatever. Take it. But if you're here and you want to invest in the ministry, we're going to receive an offering. You can give it this time. Remember, we're doing a special offering. If you want to write, if, if you didn't um, come plan to give, don't feel pressure to give at all. You can go online and give later. Once you figure out if you want to contribute to that, you can. Uh, you go online and give at any time, your app or through the computer.
computer. Uh, many of you do, so thank you. And uh, we appreciate that. And then if you want to give me an offering now, you're, you're free to do that. If, if you have that card, if you made that decision today, you want to fill out boxes, I, I made a decision to, to, to follow Christ. Now let us know so we can send you a letter saying here are some next steps you can take. Make sure you pick up a book and I'll help you, encourage you. I think uh, he, he, he uh, referenced Brennan Manny quite a bit. So Brennan Manny was a former uh, Franciscan priest, a recovering alcoholic. And so he wrote from brokenness. He wrote from understanding. So it's some good books that he gave, gave to maybe research and learn about. Um, find some, some talks that he gave. It'll help you. So why don't you just keep moving forward? Um, so we're going to receive the offering. If the ushers get the buckets ready, we'll pass from left to the right. And then uh, as soon as we receive the offering, we'll dismiss you guys to have a, a great Sunday. All right, let's pray. God, thank you for today. God, thank you that today, Lord, that there's going to be people in here uh, in this service, God, that came for a reason. Lord, you, you brought them. You've been um, tapping them on the shoulder the whole service. You've been whispering to their heart and their, inner, their, their deepest part of their life, God, telling them that they need to fix something. I pray, God, they would not leave this place without making a conscious decision to begin to forgive others and forgive themselves. God, that they would find healing and they'd find hope today. And just so we, we thank you for the offering that is going to be received. Thank you for all those that have given towards blessing teachers. God, help us to be a blessing next week to the teachers and to help us to be a blessing as a church to our community, to those who serve this, this great city. God, we just invite you to lead us and guide you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.